Welcome to Mindfully Well, your place to get the tools and tips you need to connect to a deeper sense of wellness, naturally and simply. This podcast is for change-seeking women who are curiously devoted to their health and ultimately having a positive impact on the world around them. I'll be diving into everything that can help us live mindfully well, one episode at a time. I'm your host, Haley. Welcome to episode 16 of the Mindfully Well podcast. I am so excited to be here with you today because this is our first Q&A episode. So if you're following along on Instagram, you may have noticed that I posted a week or so, oh actually it was probably a couple weeks ago now, um, questions about love relationships. So I prompted you all to submit your questions to me about what advice, tips, and questions you had regarding your relationships. So this is not friendship or family, but this is your love, companion, partner, mate, however you want to call them. Um, I have another episode that covers friendships that I will link to in the show notes, but this one is all about love love or what we think love love is. So some of the questions are knowing when someone is right for you, some advice on being a couple and having your own life, how to heal rejection wounds, how to communicate boundaries, and the importance and what it actually means to love yourself. So I got a lot of really great questions that were submitted and I consolidated a few of them based on their um, relatedness to other questions. So I'll include several questions within one answer because they all tied together. So as I try not to repeat myself a lot, we'll see where we end up here. Um, Another thing to note, I am not a relationship guru. I'm not a relationship coach. I only know what I know and I only have my own experiences. So (laughs) please take these as friend to friend, heart to heart. I'm just sharing with you what I know. I might not get it all right and I might contradict myself at times, but that's that's the beauty of this podcast and showing up in the moment with what I have to offer. So if you want to go on this journey with me, let's continue and I will start answering some of your questions. Okay, so the first batch of questions, I've kind of put three together in this answer because they all kind of relate and they all kind of weave in and out of each other. So the questions are, how do you know when someone is right for you? What do you do when you're comfortable and you know someone is wrong for you or isn't right for you any longer? And what is my take on toxic love versus loving relationships? So I'll kind of start with all of them but the first one and then we'll we'll cover everything so how do you know if someone is right for you well i think a really obvious place to start is what shared interests do you have or do you have any at all like if here's a weird example i guess in my opinion um i love hiking i love being outside i love being in the woods i would never be compatible with someone who doesn't like to do that 
Like, that would be a big divide for me. Um, another general thing would be, like, sports. Like, if someone in the relationship is obsessed with sports and the other person is not, the person who is not might <laughs> yield more toward um, going to sports games and giving in to that passion because it's so strong and they don't care as much. So you can start to lose yourself based on dissimilar interest and trying to be there for the person you love, if that makes sense. Um, so I think looking at shared interest is a really easy place to start when you're trying to figure out if someone is right for you. And I am a big believer in the, the idea and the phrase and the whole mysterious thing of when you know you know. I know that's true. I know that idea is real and it's really hard to explain how or why or like give someone advice on how to find that, right? Because it's not something you find, it's just something you experience. So I think knowing someone is right is a feeling. And when you know, you know. It's like the worst advice ever because until you feel something like that, it feels kind of impossible. And I've been there, I've been on the other side of, ha, huh, bullshit, that's not real. Um, and I'm here to tell you happily that that is a real feeling. So knowing someone is right for you. Um, some other things you can look at is your belief system and your core values in life, what you want for the future if you're trying to build a future with someone, basically setting intentions from like day one, very first date, whether you're just looking for something casual or you're looking for something serious, um, if there are religious beliefs or political beliefs or thoughts on children, whatever the case is, I say put it all out there, like immediately. On my first date with Chandler, we we had like a, a very long first date, um, but over dinner during our first date, I basically like cut myself open and laid my guts on the table, for lack of a better analogy. I, I showed him all of me. I told him all of my fears and my past relationships and my wounds, and I, I just kind of put it all out there and I looked at him. I was like, this is me and this is where I am right now and I've been cheated on and I'm terrified and I don't I don't really know what I want because I, I don't know but like I feel like I can tell you this stuff and yeah we shared ourselves with each other and now we're here <laughs> we've moved across the country we've built this life together and I think that is because we started with a really honest and solid foundation of showing up exactly as the people that we were in that moment so like we've grown and changed of course but in that moment, I allowed myself to be completely vulnerable and he did as well. And it, it was really good. It was probably, I think it's the only way to be in relationship at this point is the horrifying unknown vulnerability of it all. So knowing someone is right is all about being yourself and not being afraid to be yourself and not being afraid to show your not so pretty self to that person as well. Um, I remember we were on the phone one time, and I think it was before we'd met in person, and Chandler said to me, what don't you want me to know about you? And I literally sat there like, oh crap, so much stuff, are you kidding me? What kind of question is that? <laughs> so I told him I wanted to think about it, and you know, I wanted to like sleep on it or whatever, 
and I think I wrote out a long thing of all the stuff that I was afraid of him afraid to let him know about me and I shared that with him and that was a big piece for us um, I think if you've met someone who you feel like you can ask these questions to and you can really be vulnerable with that's a really good question to ask what do you not want me to know about you and like be honest and listen to the other person when they share whatever that is with you I think that's a really big a big stepping stone a big thing you can do in the beginning of a relationship or getting to know someone um yeah so <laughs> that's kind of deep I know a lot of people don't want to go that deep that fast but hey when you're looking for someone to share your life with why not and why waste time just hanging out and kind of hanging out on like the surface of stuff when eventually you will get to the depths and like the depths are dark and murky and like you you don't know, right? So I think it's best to be completely honest and upfront in the beginning, if you can be, as much as you can be. So yeah, I think another thing is your body will tell you, and this comes back to being in touch with your body in a sense of your habits, your consumption, like your entire being. Like it's that feeling when you're hungry and your stomach growls and you're like, oh, I'm hungry. That's a cue from your body to say, please feed me, I'm hungry. Um, I think meeting people that resonate with you on every level is also a, it's an embodied feeling. Like it's, you know it and your body will tell you. It's the same, like if you meet someone who really annoys you, that's a sign, an invitation, like a signal to say, oh, I'm triggered or oh, I'm intrigued or whatever the case is. Um, listen to your internal cues and watch your body language, right? Like we can tell a lot about how we feel based on how we're reacting internally and externally. I think some other ways that you can kind of figure out if someone is right for you and you'll learn over time is if they challenge you in healthy ways to be a better person, to be more you and not just integrated with them. And that's a really confusing concept to wrap your head around, I think, in a new relationship because you're kind of like melding into this one thing. But I think keeping like top of mind that you are two individuals and together you're choosing to like come come together. Um, I think that's huge. So maintaining a sense of yourself as a whole individual instead of like, you're my other half. <laughs> like if you can flip that idea and flip that perception of, your companion or your human or whoever and understand that you are two holes coming together I think that's that's a better way to look at it um, so someone who challenges you in healthy ways to be more of yourself to show up bigger in the world and who will be there to hold you when you're breaking down because <laughs> something big is happening right so like having it both um, I think another really great sign that someone is right to have in your life period is that they actually listen and they don't offer anything but a space for you to be heard that's really hard <laughs> to do in the beginning with relationships but I remember I was really upset one time and I was kind of like venting to Chandler and telling him what I was upset about and he just sat there and he didn't offer me any advice he didn't he didn't do anything and I felt a little confused at first. I felt like, oh, just like tell me what to do. 
what do I do? Like, I'm freaking out. Uh, any nugget you've got. And he was just like, you know what to do. You know what you want. And he kind of just, like, reflected back to me that I needed the space to let it out. And I already knew the answer. So having people in your life who just listen, like, actively listen and hear you and don't try to give you any advice or anecdotes or, like, fix what you're working through yourself, I think that's really, really special and important. So, um, listening is huge. What else? Um, I talked about, like, shared interest, but I think there's also something to being willing to try what the other person likes. So not fully adopting everything that they love and doing that too, but um, trying new things. Like whenever I met Chandler, like kind of runs and plays in the woods and stuff and like vaults over trees, like fallen trees. Um, And for me, I was kind of like, ooh, I don't know, like I'll fall or I'll get hurt or whatever. And like after watching him a few times, like I'd catch myself like trying you know, not being like this gazelle running through the woods or anything. I don't think gazelles live in the woods. That is incorrect. But I started to try it just to see and like to play with this different thing. And it was fun. It, it was really fun. So like there's also a playfulness and an exploration that you can do with someone else's interest that can just kind of expand your horizons. So I think that's something to consider. Um, I think food preferences are huge. If you and the person you are with do not eat the same way, it, in my opinion, it never really works out from my experience. doesn't have to be true for everyone, but for me, it's never worked out if the person I am with does not value food in the way that I do. So, um, food can be a big thing, um... I think something else that goes into, so the other two questions are what to do when you're comfortable but you know someone isn't right for you anymore, and my take on toxic love and healthy relationships. So there's this idea that I wrote down in my journal about removing your self-worth from their connection to you. So being with them does not define you. It doesn't make you worthy. It doesn't make you loved. It's something else, right? Like they don't make you loved. You are already loved and you are the most in charge of loving yourself, if that makes sense. Um, Being in a relationship does not define your worthiness is what I'm trying to say. And with or without them, you are still you, you are still whole, and you are still worthy. So trying to remove your worth from their connection to you, I think, is crucial in any growing, evolving relationship, especially as time goes on. Um, I think it's really easy to get tied up in the, the idea of the couple as just one unit, but you are two individual human beings who are together, but you're separate. So maintaining that identity of yourself is really important and really hard to navigate. Like, do you ever really get it right? I don't know. It's hard, right? It's, it's not easy stuff, but I think keeping that front and center is important. Your other person does not define you or validate your worth in the world. So I'll leave you with that one. (laughs) Um, Some other things in regard to healthy relationships, 
toxic, although I don't know if toxic is the right word here. Um, we'll just say like surface level versus deep connected relationships. Um, how often do you laugh? Like genuinely laugh with each other and just like, yeah, I, don't, I was going to say maybe some people aren't very laughy, but I don't think that is true. I think as like human beings, we want to laugh and we want to just experience the joy of laughter. So how often do you laugh? How often do you touch, like hold hands, hug, lay on the couch with your head on each other's shoulders or whatever the case may be? Um, like how often are you together physically? And then how often do you just sit and talk with each other? Not about the weather and the news and gossip and drama and other people, but how often do you sit with each other and just talk about ideas or what's on your mind or what's happening with you right now? I think that is really huge and that is a key component of a healthy, however you want to define, a like thriving and growing relationship. It's just being together and talking. Um, yeah, so like I said, your body will tell you um, preferences and values and beliefs are pretty big for people. Um, let's see. Another thing that goes into if a relationship is right for you or not, when someone, when you're just comfortable and you want to leave, um, I think that depends on the projections you have of that person. So most of the time in life, we have a a false or just a self-perception of other people in our lives. We have this idea of them, we've defined them in our mind, and like they're kind of these like static, concrete things. Like think about your family. It's like your mom is your mom, your dad is your dad, your sister is your sister, and they don't really change because that's their role in your life. But they do change, and they do grow, and time goes by, and things change. So I think healthy relationships acknowledge the fact that people grow and change over time and honoring those people and their changes and their their preferences and ideas and things that they're trying is a healthy relationship and not holding them to this idea that you have of them so watching your projections on people i think is really important when someone does something and it irritates you you might want to take a step back and think why is this irritating me? Is it actually something they're doing or is it just something that it's triggering with me? So you might look into like projection work and what that might mean for you. I'm not going to go all the way into that. But um, another component or thing to look at with toxic versus healthy or good versus bad or whatever, unfulfilled versus fulfilled relationships is how often do you numb out? And by that I mean with alcohol, with drugs, with disconnected sex, with TV, um, eating meals in front of the TV, whatever the case is, like, how often are you completely, like, unplugging yourself and numbing out from the world with that person? I think that's probably a really good sign that something is wrong and something, or off, or whatever, um, something is not in alignment. And that could just be in your life or it could be in your relationship, but numbing out is a not good sign. Like I said, not a relationship coach, not a 
counselor like I'm not any of that you guys but it's a pretty good sign if you constantly want to like disconnect um yeah what else I think being afraid to say stuff is a indicator that a relationship might be out of a like out of balance so if you're like genuinely afraid to express yourself or like can't put into words or articulate what's happening in your life for yourself in your heart um one definitely find someone a professional or a friend that you can talk to that you can practice that stuff with and ultimately be able to express yourself in any relationship um toxic versus healthy etc good bad um insecurities and jealousy so i don't <laughs> think I don't think those things ever go away. I think there's always going to be like a little grain of salt that is jealousy or insecurity because everyone is insecure. Everyone has their things and everyone is always a little worried that someone is going to see their flaws too. <laughs> I think that's a natural way of existing in the world and it's scary to give yourself to someone and fully show up in the world for someone and especially if you've been hurt in the past and you've been cheated on or lied to it's hard not to have those things come up whenever I met Chandler I had experienced a pretty toxic a very toxic um lying manipulative weird love triangle in a way whatever like I got cheated on with someone in the friend group that we were hanging out with and it really messed me up it made me insecure as hell afterwards and I didn't know it until I started getting triggered by like small things and I had to like pause and think oh this is not what is happening now this is a, a thing from the past I'm being triggered by my past experience and it's terrifying and I'm okay and I'm safe and it's fine so I think being able to work through your insecurities and jealousy is where to come from from that realm because they will likely pop up and they will likely exist in a lot of relationships but stopping noticing and like processing what's happening is a good step in that in that journey when those things pop up um and lastly when being with someone it's not about fixing them and you can only work on you so if they're doing something that bothers you or you're getting annoyed with them because they put the dishes up wrong like they're not doing that to torture you <laughs> they're not they're not like intentionally trying to drive you crazy that's your stuff that's not them so noticing what is yours and what is theirs i think is really important and that's kind of a broad statement i get it you're kind of like wait what what is theirs like the couch is theirs and the tv's mine I'm talking about like what emotional, mental, psychological things are theirs. Like what triggers and like quirks are theirs and what are yours. Um, someone else is weird. Neuroses are not yours. And being able to notice that and think, oh, that's not mine. They're just having a bad day. Or they're just upset about something else and they're taking it out on me or whatever the case is. Um, knowing that you can't fix them, you can only work on yourself, and you can still be there for someone without trying to fix them and be there for yourself 
while not trying to fix anyone. So, yeah. The next question or theme has to do with being a couple and making sure you have your own life. So the full question is, can you give some advice about being a couple but still making sure you have your own life? And then another one that rolls into this is, how do you balance obsession versus deep connection? So being a couple and having your own life is tricky, especially in the beginning stages of a relationship. From my experience, you just want to be with that person all the time. And like it's all consuming and you kind of start to ditch your friends and change your plans and alter your schedule to be with someone. And that's not bad. It's just something to be aware of. So you want to build a life together and you want to have your own routines and your own habits and your own way of doing things. And you also want to have yourself and your own life. Like I said just a little bit ago, like you're two individuals coming together. You don't have to dissolve your individual lives in order to do that. You can bring those two lives together and be together um, depending on your schedule or whatever the case is. You all can plan out when you're going to have your own days or your own girl nights or whatever. Like you can do that proactively or you can give yourself permission to just go do whatever you want. And yes, communicate. But you don't have to report in and you don't have to like share your location or stay up to date with everyone's move, right? <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, there's a fine line between knowing where each other are and like being there for each other. If like someone's in a wreck versus like, always knowing where your significant other is and like tracking their every step that would fall into the toxic bucket that we just talked about i think so i think this question is a little subjective and a little flexible depending on the couple the lifestyle the routines the schedule and your interest um if you have a lot of shared interest it might be hard to still have an individual life Meaning like your own hobbies and your own things that you do. Um, but even just going to the grocery alone or do, going somewhere alone can be really nice. So having friends is key and not just having couple friends that the both of you only know always. Um, that can be really limiting, especially if you have a breakup later and then your friend couples have to pick sides or whatever that that's horrible. I've been there before where friends have had to pick sides in a breakup and it's heart-wrenching. You, you lose friends. So having an outside source of companionship and love and friendship outside of your relationship is really important. Um, if you're a woman like I am, having deep, rich, female bonded relationships is huge. Um, they, there's nothing like it really. <laughs> like, I love my girlfriends more than anything. Like, they're just wonderful. It makes me want to cry. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I love my girlfriends. And now I have girlfriends all over the country, basically, because I've moved. And yeah, 
friendship is huge in maintaining a life outside of your relationship or a life beside your relationship, right? It doesn't have to be outside or separate from, but it can be another place to find fulfillment and nourishment and companionship. So with this question, I would like to talk a little bit about when we get into a relationship, we have this need for, or this expectation, I should say, that that person should fulfill all of our needs. Like, if you grew up like me, you grew up with the knight in shining armor fairy tale in your mind. Like, some guy is going to come sweep me up and take me away and give me a castle and a crown and life's going to be peachy keen. And that's not how life works. Thank God. And it is impossible. Impossible and irrational and mean to think that someone, one person, should fulfill all of your holes. Like, that sounds weird. Fulfill all of you. All of your needs and wants and desires. That is not on one person. That is not their role in your life. It is your job to make sure that you are fulfilled and you are loved and you feel supported in every realm of life. From friend, to work, to personal, to love, to family. Like, we are not humans that are made to be isolated in pairs. We come from community and tribes and groups. Like, we come from a lot of people. It's just, it's insane to think that one person could fulfill all of your needs forever and not become completely depleted and resentful of you. So, keep in mind that your partner is not your sole provider of love and friendship and companionship and happiness and joy. They are a piece of your puzzle. They are a piece of your life. They're not everything, and they should not be. I sure as hell don't want to be someone's everything. Like, what a huge job. What a huge weight to carry. Um, yeah. You don't have to be someone's everything, and they do not have to be yours. So managing expectations and boundaries is huge. We'll get to boundaries in a minute. But I just wanted to get that out there, that... You cannot expect one person to fulfill every need that you have. It's just, it's insane. <laughs> That's all. It's just insane. Um, you need a lot of different people in your life and a lot of different perspectives and types of love. Friendship, family, uh, love, love, whatever, partner love. I don't know what you want to call that. Um, yeah. So then how do you balance obsession and deep connection? Like, how do you know the difference, I think, is the question. And I think that is a question that comes up in the beginning of relationships where you just want to be together all the time and you want to know everything about them and like you're in, right? Like you are all in and you're just all consumed by this other human being that seems like it for you. And they, they might be like, that's incredible and beautiful and they're human. <laughs> they're not perfect. And if you know you're not perfect, then you sure as hell better not think that your partner is perfect <laughs> because like we're just not perfect beings at all none of us um we're perfectly wonderfully beautiful but that's a different perspective um we're all a little broken and we're all a little quirky and uh neurotic so <laughs> i don't know how else to say that but it's true um so yeah i think if you start to notice some sort of like obsession or like awe-aspiring thing about the person, I think it's really important to 
come back down to earth and ask those hard questions. So ask them, what don't you want me to know about you? Ask, tell me everything, like tell me all the things, right? I don't have questions off the top of my head, but um, making them more real and more human, <laughs> allowing them to show up as real and human and flawed will help you not become so obsessed. And maybe you'll be obsessed in a good way in love with them because you see them so clearly. I don't know, like obsession doesn't have to necessarily be like this nasty, dirty word, but I think being obsessed with someone can get very messy very quickly. So trying to balance the <laughs> idea of obsession versus deep connection is just grounding yourself and seeing that person as a real human too and asking the hard questions. And maybe they're not hard, just the deep, the interesting, the off-the-wall questions that you wouldn't ask someone else. Like, you can get on Google and Google all sorts of, like, relationship questions or a hundred questions to ask someone to get to know them. And some of them are kind of silly, but it's a fun conversation piece, right? Like, you could say, what's your best childhood memory? And maybe that goes on a a different tangent of something that you wouldn't learn about them otherwise for a long time. So they can just be kind of like little door openers to deeper conversations or more interesting things. Or they can just be funny and you can ask funny questions and be like, these are silly, let's think of better ones. So yeah, I think the difference between obsession and deep connection is the work that you put into them and the effort that you put into actually deeply connecting with someone because deep connection doesn't just happen it's not like this automatic here's your deep connection with so and so it is a daily intentional action and a conscious showing up with that person and as yourself to deeply connect so it's not a you fall in love and live happily ever after it's a you fall in love or you find or you experience love and every single day you continue to choose that love and that connection and that day as it is. So <laughs> I think that's probably all I have for that one. Okay, so I'm in a bucket these two questions kind of in the same place because they'll they'll go in and out of each other, like I said, um, but they are, how do you heal and rewire rejection wounds and how do you begin to set and communicate boundaries? So I think they go hand in hand because from my experience, I've been rejected and hurt and then I had no idea how to even have boundaries after that. Like, I either wanted to be completely closed off or completely open and not give a shit, honestly. So I kind of swung both ways on the pendulum of caring for myself and respecting myself, and it taught me a lot, but I hope this advice helps you not have to go through all the things that I went through, how I went through them. Um, you can't avoid hurt and you can't avoid rejection in life. It's not possible, I don't think. Um, and rejection is good because it makes us who we are, right? So healing from rejection is 
a different story and I'll share my story with you because I don't have a lot of information here except for my own experience, right? So a couple of years ago, I was casually dating this guy. Um, I, I was certain we were like monogamous, like we were seeing each other solely and we had that conversation. I remember it clearly, like we were seeing each other. So we had this big friend group that we'd hang out with and we'd all work out and do yoga and run around the town and Instagram and like do all this stuff. And it was a blast. Like we had so much fun. But within all of that, there was like an affair happening. Like two of the people were cheating, right? I was one of the people who were being cheated on and another guy in the group was also being cheated on. So his wife and my boyfriend were seeing each other emotionally, physically, whatever the case may be, it doesn't really matter. Um, the details are, were never really clear, but it doesn't, that doesn't matter. The fact is it took me a long time to heal from this. It took me a really long time to understand that I also played a role in the pain that I experienced and the people who were the bad guys in the story weren't they handled things not in a great way obviously cheating is not a great way to handle your lack of satisfaction in your relationship cool got it I'm sure a lot of people have learned that the hard way as well but I realized eventually that they weren't the bad guys they were hurt too they were unfulfilled in their current relationships they were stuck unhappy whatever the case is and they had found each other to fill in that that gap or whatever I don't I don't know what they experienced and I can't speak for them obviously but the longer I sat with it and the longer I kind of worked through my own grief and heartbreak and deep deep rejection of being cheated on and humiliated in front of a crap ton of people um I started to realize that like I said one I played a role in that and two no one's perfect. They're just not. I don't, for the most part, for the most part, I don't believe people are out to hurt each other. Like, I don't believe when you're in a relationship and someone cheats that they're doing that in spite of you, to hurt you, to maliciously, like, stab you in the back. I don't think that. Um, that does happen, and there are people out there who are narcissists and mean assholes, probably, but from my experience, I don't believe people hurt each other for the sole fact of hurting that person. Um, there's fallout from our choices, and a lot of people can get hurt from our choices, but I don't think anyone is maliciously trying to hurt anyone. And rejection sucks. <laughs> like, rejection really, really sucks. But when you slow down and you start to realize that we're all making choices for ourselves based on what's best for us. It makes it a little easier to see that that person didn't reject you to hurt you necessarily. They rejected you because they needed to do something else or try something else or be with someone else or whatever. Um, I honestly don't know if I'm articulating this well because it's, it's a tricky sea to navigate. Um, but yeah, healing from 
wounds are hard and there's no guidebook, unfortunately. I remember whenever this breakup happened and everything kind of fell out and I lost half my friends and people took sides and I was embarrassed and ashamed and didn't feel good enough and was definitely rejected. Um, I started looking for like books and resources and I was trying to find things to like fix the situation, like just make me feel better, I'm ready to move on. And that's not how it went. It took a couple of years for me to finally feel the entire weight lift from me. And that's not to say I didn't date in those two years and I moved on in the sense of like life moved on, but I still, <laughs> I still deeply, deeply felt that wound for a really long time. And it, it just, I think healing and rewiring this type of stuff just comes with time and like intentional work to do so. Like having the intention to for, forgive if that's where you are, you're ready to, or let go of that past thing. It, it takes time and it takes intentionality. And it, it's hard. It's just hard. Um, what helped me in my hour of sadness or whatever, hours of sadness, was journaling. I journaled a lot. I had like conversations with myself like, why do you feel this way? Why are you mad? Why are you upset? Why do you hate that person right now? And I would write back and forth to myself. Um, I wrote letters to them. I didn't give the letters to them, but I wrote to them saying like, I'm so effing mad at you. How could you do this to me? How could you hurt me? How could you betray me? How could you make me look like a fool? What the hell? And like, you know, I let it all out. And then I started to come back to the fact that like, oh, I knew something was off in that relationship. I did not feel respected or appreciated and I stayed. I played a part in this pain because I was too insecure to leave. And I came to a lot of really interesting realizations through my healing process, but journaling helped a lot. Being around people who love me deeply and I love them, like my friends, really helped. Um, it also sucked at times because sometimes you just want to be alone. Um, I did a lot of solo yoga in my old like yoga room, like hours of just moving and sweating. That helped as well. Um, I started writing a lot of poetry, so just finding ways to get words and emotions out of me. Poetry helped, but yeah, a lot of writing helped. Um, a lot of paying attention to when I was playing the blame game or like just trying to badmouth people versus work through my stuff. So I think after a breakup, it's really easy to kind of trash talk them and like, yeah, screw them. They hurt me. They're bad guys. Everyone should hate them. Like I felt that way. And then I, I didn't do that. I didn't go badmouth people because I knew that that wasn't the right thing to do. And ultimately they weren't terrible people. I was just hurt and they had also been hurting and they were trying to find a solution to their sadness, pain, unfulfillment, emptiness, whatever. Um, so yeah, paying attention to when you just need to vent versus when you're like not moving on from something. Um, I think another thing is paying attention to your surroundings when you're going through some something that has hurt you, breakups, um, being rejected, whatever the case may be. If you're around people who don't hold the space for you or help you 
process the stuff, like if they help perpetuate like the drama of it, I'd say don't be around them at all. Like cut them out until you feel better. I'm not saying you have to get rid of people in your life, but if someone helps this pain or this negative or this drama stuff fester, they're not good for you right now, in my opinion, from what I experienced. So being mindful of your environment, finding outlets to process emotion and pain, I think is really big. Trying new stuff like dancing it out or writing or I don't know, like that's, that's what I tried, right? Like that's what I did, but I'm sure there are a million ways. Maybe like get into like kickboxing or something. That would be fun. Um, I think probably back then I would have wanted to kick someone. So that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. I think finding a different outlet and being in environments and with people who nourish you and support you are two really big things that you can do to start to heal and not projecting those those habits and tendencies from the past on the new people you meet. So coming out of my experience, I had some trust issues. <laughs> A lot of trust issues. I didn't want to trust anyone. I didn't want to let anyone deeply close to me like get close to me on a surface level I was like sure let's go out and hang out and have fun and whatever but I had a hard time letting someone actually connect with me because I didn't want to trust anyone I didn't want to be hurt and rejected and cheated on again but I realized that that's not a really great way to go about living life or trying to be in a new relationship so not taking those past wounds with you is important So whenever you can and feel like you're able to put them down, that's, that's a good sign. That's, it's a good feeling. Um, and everyone's journey is different and everyone's experiences are way different, but knowing that with time, things do get better, I think is some, some sort of soothing something for you. Um, things do get better and ultimately pain will always come and go and hurts will always come and go but allowing yourself to feel all that you feel and process everything that you feel will help you be a little more resilient in all of the pain that may come your way so with that i think it's important to talk about boundaries yay um another question that came in was how do you begin to set and communicate boundaries so Maybe, okay, so I'm going to interview Chandler, who is my partner in life, soon on a future episode, and he has a really fun exercise called Yuck and Yum. So whenever I interview him, I'll maybe I'll have him talk us through that a little bit, because it's a really cool exercise and a fun way to figure out boundaries. But ultimately, boundaries are like your yes and no gates. I think it's nice to equate boundaries to like your gut, which is... I think a lot of people do that, honestly. Like, if you start Googling boundaries, it's like the the gut lining, right? It keeps the bad stuff out and it lets the good stuff in, like the nutrients. Um, and the same goes for you in your life. It's like saying yes too much and never saying no. That could be a good indicator of where you might need to work on boundaries. Sorry, I had to take a drink of water. <laughs> I don't feel like editing that out, so... You're welcome. (laughs) Boundaries. 
knowing what is a yes for you and what is a no for you is kind of where you can start exploring what your boundaries are. And they can evolve over time. They can soften over time. I think following Danielle Laporte has helped me understand that it's okay to open. Like It's okay to be open. It's okay to soften. You can still have boundaries and be wide open. Um, her work is beautiful. Go follow her. Um, yeah, so communicating boundaries is as simple as saying, no, I don't want to. Or just saying, no, <laughs> period. You don't have to come up with boundaries in your life and then go plaster them around explaining them. You don't have to tell people why you're choosing to say no or yes to anything. You don't have to validate your choices at all to anyone. So <laughs> I would make that very clear. Your choices are yours and, you know, you live with your choices and that's all on you, but you don't have to explain yourself out of anything. You can just say no. So that's how you set and communicate boundaries. Simple yes and no. Um, you can start with one relationship that you're struggling with and journal on what your boundaries could look like, the things that are leaking in that aren't good and how you might create a better boundary to keep them out. Um, you can do a lot of different things and I'm sure there are books and articles and all of that online for boundaries, but ultimately it's knowing what you are a yes for and what you are a no for and sticking with it. Those are boundaries and they can change over time and they can be flexible, but on your terms. Our last question for today is talk about the importance of and what it actually means to love yourself. And this one makes me all ooey gooey inside because it's something that I'm working on every single day. Um, I don't think it's something that ever ends, which is kind of fun. You don't just love yourself and check the box and move on. <laughs> um, it's just like how I talked about relationships. It's a conscious, intentional, daily showing up for yourself and your worth and where you are right now is loving yourself um, in a really simple way to put it. But yeah, the importance of, I think we all know the importance of loving ourselves, right? It's kind of a buzzword, self-love, treat yourself, all of that, whatever. Um, that's not bad stuff, but it it can get a little surface level or it can help people validate their not-so-healthy choices. Like, oh, I'm gonna go drink tonight, treat yourself, self-love. It's like, are you are you treating yourself or are you numbing out? Um, there's differences. So the importance is your intention. What is your intention in loving yourself? And I think that will help you. Or getting to know yourself. Or sort of kind of liking yourself, if we're being honest. Um, we're all on different paths and we're all in different like parts of self-love journey and I think that changes with time like I'm not going to be exactly how I am forever right like I'm going to age 
going to have children, my body's going to change, um, illnesses can happen, different things can happen. And I think the challenge of life is knowing how to work through all of the different things that happen, um, the different scenarios that might come up in life. And that's why we do this work. That's why we care. That's why we continually show up every day so that we can make it through life easily and joyfully and with love. So the importance of loving yourself, I think, is pretty clear in in my regard because I know what my intention is. My intention is to be in relationship with myself, meaning that every day won't be perfect and I won't I won't be completely happy with myself every single day. Maybe I don't finish all my tasks and I feel like a failure and I talk myself down or whatever. Like, there are so many different ways that we are in relationship with ourselves that I don't think we prioritize as much as we prioritize our relationships with other people. So I think what it means to love yourself is to be in relationship with yourself and to love yourself as much as you love that person you're trying to be with. I think another great concept of this is treat yourself how you would treat your children or your grandma or the people you love the most. Treat yourself like that. If you wouldn't turn around and look at your kid and be like, you're ugly, why would you do that to yourself? That was pretty intense. Um... Think of the ways you would talk to someone else and talk to yourself that way. Like, imagine the times when you're, like, really building up your best friend and you're telling her how amazing she is and she's a badass and she's so fucking cool. She's got this. She's going to kill it today. Like, do that to yourself as well. You are in a relationship with yourself. You are your biggest cheerleader. You are your biggest everything. And you should put yourself first. You should love yourself the most because... When you love yourself fully and as much as you can in that day, you can then be there for everyone else around you. You're not seeking out someone else's love to make you feel loved, right? When you are fully loved within yourself, you don't need other people to fulfill you. You can just be with them and enjoy their presence. So, the importance of self-love. It's the most important thing. (laughs) Like I said, treat yourself like someone you deeply, deeply love, and with that, go easy on yourself. Like, go easy on yourself, you guys. You don't have to overwork and overdo and overtask and overaccomplish to be worth anything. That does not define your worth. Your relationships don't define your worth. Your work doesn't define your worth. You are worthy right now, exactly as you are, period. There's nothing else to it but that. You don't have to kill yourself and break your back and work long hours to prove something to anyone. You don't have to. You can choose to, but you don't have to. Um, Another thing that goes into loving yourself is give yourself some freaking credit for whatever you've done today, this week, this month, this year. Give yourself some credit. Like, you're doing it. Whatever you're working toward, like, you're doing it right now. You're doing what you need to do for your future self or whatever whatever you're working toward. 
Um, we have a funny phrase in our house where we always say, thanks past me, when something cool happens or money comes through that we were working toward or like a client. Um, thank your Thank your past self for putting in the work and for making that connection or going out on a limb to try a thing. You can thank your past self. I think it's funny. Or when you're doing something in the moment, you can say, like, you're welcome, future me. It's just a funny way to acknowledge the fact that everything you're doing or have done impacts your future and your past and this moment and everything. So I think that's a fun way to kind of, like, pat yourself on the back, give yourself some kudos. Um, yeah. Self-love. Listening to yourself mentally and physically is a big piece of the puzzle of loving yourself. Um, Feeling when you want to move, feeling when you want to sleep in, tuning into when you're hungry, when you're not hungry, when you want to hang out with someone, when you want to be social versus not social. All of those things come from loving yourself because you're listening and you're acknowledging what you actually want or what you need. So listening to your body and your mind and your heart to know what you want in the moment is self-love. A big thing for me, and I recommend it often to everyone, is to journal, but specifically writing to yourself. So I was in a program a couple of years ago that had us write our future self a letter, and then they mailed it to us. And when I got the letter in the mail, like, a year later, I was like, wait, what the hell is this? This looks like my handwriting. And as I started to read the letter, I started to cry because I realized, wait, this is from me. Holy shit. I'm so, like, I'm so wonderful. I wrote myself this thing and it's so comforting and it's exactly what I needed. And it was beautiful. So write yourself often and all the time and however you want to store those letters or whatever, I think writing to yourself is really cool. Um, yeah, what else? I think questioning where your beliefs come from is self-love. Like, if there is something that you believe about money or God or relationships or men or food or society that feels a little icky to you, or doesn't feel like yours, I think it's important to dig into that and start to understand where that comes from. It is likely from your childhood. You'll probably learn that very quickly. But knowing where your beliefs come from and knowing if they are someone else's beliefs and not yours. So you're an adult, I assume, or you're close enough to an adult because you're listening to this. Um... You aren't the beliefs that you grew up with. And I don't mean that as in, like, toss it all out the window. It's not all junk. But if something no longer resonates with you deeply, truly, you don't have to carry that. Like, you don't have to have someone else's beliefs just because. So doing some belief work, I think, is important. Um, There are a lot of great books and resources out there to understand why you believe what you believe. I think The Artist Way by Julia Cameron is a great book to start to dive into different areas of your life and figure out why you believe what you believe and what's going on with 
all of the things. Um, yeah, Get the Artist Way. I think it's a really great book to help you kind of start to dive into this work. Um, yeah, and I think I already said it, but every day is different. Like, self-love is not a place that you arrive. It's not a thing that you check off of your to-do list. Um, if you've been following me for a while, you know that I I am a recovering to-do lister, for lack of a better phrase. Um, I like checking things off. I like putting everything that is healthy and good on a piece of paper and, like, accomplishing it. And, well, I used to. I still catch myself kind of wanting to do that sometimes, but it's not a to-do. It should be just an inherent action of loving yourself. And regarding to-do list, I did an unlisting experiment, and when you stop making lists, the things that are most important will happen. So that can go for your self-love, right? Like, you don't have to try to check off all these things or do all these, like, spa days and facials and stuff to equal self-love. Just do the things that feel right for you in the moment. And that will be more beneficial, I promise. Um, yeah. Loving yourself means being in relationship with yourself fully, truly, exactly where you are. Um, treating yourself like someone you deeply, deeply love. And then being able to connect with other people, which is what this love episode was about, <laughs> ultimately. Um, love yourself so you can love others. That's all I've got for you all. I will leave the transcription of this episode, some different uh, resources in the show notes at hayleyheishman.com backslash podcast. You can get all the good deets over there, reflect some more, listen again, whatever the case may be. I hope you find this episode valuable. I hope to do more Q&As in the future. So if you have cues that you want A's for, email me, DM me, whatever the case is. I'm happy to answer these types of questions. I hope you have a beautiful day. I will talk with you all next week.